Did you know there's a place where you're untouchable from any kind of an attack? And it's almost hard for me to fathom. And I mean, you know, obviously we're all human and go, you know, I haven't got this down yet. I'm figuring it out. You know, in this life, you will have tribulation. I get it. We're human. I get all that. But there is a place when we stay with God where the enemy can't touch you. Everything is going to be all right. No matter what is going on around you, there is a place. Somebody say amen to that. God has told us in his word, and the way to stay in that untouchable place, we need to find Especially in days like this, we hear breaking news all the time. But those that live in the household of faith, those that are followers, believers of Jesus, we're going to be all right. I know the world is going through a lot of stuff. I know there's stuff going on. I know... I know who's in office. I know all that. We all know that. We've all walking through all of this. Just when things are even out, what seems like out of your control, there is Jesus. I want to be at the place where the devil can't touch me. No matter what happens, no matter what's going on, if I could quote John Wayne, no matter what happens, my fault, your fault, nobody's fault. I'll stop right there because the rest of us probably not too too great. But I mean, I want to be in that place where if I'm talking to the enemy, you know, you can't touch me. Or do some MC Hammer. Can't touch us. <laughs> Something. No matter what happens, what's going on, I want to be part of that untouchable. But we have God's covenant of protection. We have a, a covenant that can keep us covered. I want to know, God, how do I get behind those walls of protection? Last week, we talked about choosing. You know, we have to choose. We have to do action. We have to activate this protection. Choosing to act is key. I want to say that one more time. Choosing to act is key. And here's the first one. We're building walls, so we're going to have four walls this morning. Here's the first one. The word, John 17, 17. John 17, 17. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. The NIV says, sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. God's word is referred to as our protection throughout the entire Bible. It is the word of God. Did you know there's nothing truer than the word of God? It is completely infallible. Now, that's a big word that just means there's nothing wrong in it. There's no fault in it of any kind. Psalm 91.4, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. That's 91.4. The King James says, his truth is our shield and buckler. The shield protects the front and the buckler protects from behind. The Hebrew translation in this verse says, he's our circle. Come on. He's our circle of protection. So we stand on God's word. We come rooted. We, we get founded and grounded. We know if this is what God says, that settles it. If you're saying to yourself, well, I'm not sure I believe it. If God said it, that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen if God said it. There's people out there that say, Jesus isn't coming back. It's in the word. He's coming back. You will be sadly mistaken because one of these days, that trumpet's going to sound. And there are going to be a lot of people gone. We have to stand on the word. Unshakable, unmovable. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's God. We are surrounding ourselves with God's impenetrable shield. It's just amazing when we start using the word of God. 
If we stay on the word and we stand on the word, not with our emotions. Come on, how many knows your emotions will lead you up and down and up and down? But the word is unshakable. It is steady. You can stay out of fear. You can walk by faith. You can exercise your authority all within the word of God. I want to stay protected in the household of faith. The protection found in the word. It's easier said than done, though, isn't it? Because, again, there's a lot going on around. It's easy to get our minds off track and to see. It's kind of like we're like Peter. Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. All right, come on. I mean, can you imagine what would it have been like to see Peter just take his foot out of the boat, step, and not sink? Would that be, that have been like sweet? Because there's 11 other guys in the boat thinking, I should have been, I should have did that. Maybe, maybe they're not thinking that. Maybe they're going, Peter, you're an idiot. <laughs> I don't know. But Peter says, and he goes out, he walks out, and then the Bible says he, he starts looking around because he's doing something that in the natural he shouldn't be able to do. And he starts to sink. So it's easier said than done. I can say this pretty confidently. If you're in fear, you're not in that secret place. You're not in that place where it's impenetrable. If you are afraid, you have to have something that's bigger than you, and it has to be the word of God. You got to go back to scripture until you get rid of fear. You can tell fear to go. You can take thoughts captive. You can do all of the things that the word tells you you can do. We choose to stay covered. When we stay in the word of God, we keep that wall word up and protecting us. It separates us from evil. And uh, there's so much going on in the world right now. There's so much stuff. And all social media, some of it's changing its name, and it's this, and it's that. You know, that's why we, we used to be just live on Facebook. But Facebook didn't like a lot of things I said. So they would shut me down. They'd shut me off. So I said, raspberries, we're not doing that. So now we can go live right through our website, and Facebook can't shut me down. Because we need to tell people about the good news. We need to tell people about the word of God. We need to be able to tell people about what is so good about God in a world that needs something like that. We need to keep that wall up standing strong. We need to read the word. We need to meditate on it. Think about it. And let it become so real on the inside so when pressure comes, that's what comes out. When I was in school, they had this whole saying, some of you might remember, garbage in garbage out so if you fill yourself with garbage that's what happens when you know the pressure comes that's what happens and i get what they're saying but there is a truth in that if we keep the word inside us when the pressure comes guess what comes out the word jesus did that didn't he the enemy tried to get jesus i mean if the enemy is going to go after the king of kings and lord of lords are you all that in a bag of chips he's not going to come after you and Jesus did this. He started doing what I'm telling us to do, the word. He said, it's written. What's he quoting? He's quoting the word of God. It is written. He's not saying it. He has the authority to say it. Obviously, he's Jesus, but you have that same authority. It's been delegated to you. But he is pulling things that are saying, let me tell you something, devil. It is written. Some of you just need to get up in the devil's face. 
You need to just tell him, look, it is written. Our second wall this morning. First one was the word. You'll like this one. Well, hopefully you'll like all of them, but the blood. Exodus 12, 13. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you're staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. The NIV says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you. Now, this is where, you know, that's why they call that the Passover and all of that that was happening because of that particular instance. There's something very symbolic about the blood, especially being over the mantle of a doorpost, symbolizing who's in charge of the house. Who's in charge of your house? As Christians, we know about the blood. We sing hymns about it, and we remember it during communion. But how do we take it? Do we really take what happened, why the blood is the blood? Do we know how deep its power runs? And all that's been provided because of the blood. And do we apply it? There's so much power in communion. If you're feeling under the weather, take communion. We've done it in our house with soda crackers, iced tea, orange juice, water. Hey, if Jesus' first miracle is turning the water into wine, it's just symbolic. So I'll use water. I'll use grape juice. I've used Mountain Dew. Well, I get a little kick when you're doing that, you know. But the, the principle is still applied of what it all refers back to the blood that was shed, the blood. You know, that's why the blood is so precious, because there was no sin in Christ. So the blood of Jesus is one of the four walls of protection. From Genesis to Revelation, the words, the blood, are kept before our eyes. It's important and the significance to us is important. It symbolizes cleansing and purification. It symbolizes the settling of a matter. It's covered under the blood. It symbolizes it's done. Come on, somebody. It's done. How many are glad that the blood washed you clean? How many are glad that the blood still works today? How many are glad that the blood still is active and live and a well, and it will take good care of you, and it will remove sin from your life? The blood has been applied. God has used his own son and poured out his blood. But God is love. And the greatest expression of God's love is sacrificing his only begotten son on the cross, the blood of Jesus. And that love covers every need man has or ever will have. Every time we apply the blood, we experience an outpouring of that love. Through the blood, it's created a barrier, a wall, if you will, a shelter between the enemy and keeping you safe. Revelation 12, 11 says, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb. This is real important. It's not the, the blood of just any lamb, the lamb. It's not the blood of just 
an animal. This, we're talking, they're not talking about an animal. They're talking about Jesus, the Lamb of God. And by their testimony, they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. You know what we have to do? We've got to get our minds right. We've got to elevate our mind to what God thinks about the blood. We've got to start thinking like that. If it's important to God, it should be important to you. If it means that much to God, it should mean that much to you. we got to put that in the same place in our hearts that God would put it. What has the blood done for you? I'm so glad the blood still forgives today. I'm so glad that it's washed. I mean, how many have ever sinned since you've been a believer? How many, you know, have you went and said, God, I just need you to help me with that? The power of the blood of Jesus has provided everything you need to live your life on purpose and win. When we apply the blood of Jesus to the doorpost of our life in faith, now if you think about this, if you pictured a doorpost, what they did is they took that, that blood and they put it over the doorpost and they made it like the shape and it, it, it just basically ran down the door and almost in the shape of a cross. And during that plague, they would see that blood and whoever was in the house was spared. It the death angel passed over that. If you remember that plague, that was not a good one. Well, of course, I don't know of any plague that is a good one. But we have access to the power to beat every part of the curse that tries to take up space in our lives when we start applying the blood of Jesus. When we speak the name of Jesus in the face of sickness, in the face of disease, in the face of danger, the blood of the lamb is behind it. you got to understand what I'm saying. You know, there's things that you have to do and you're going to have to do, and I get it because we're human. And they're, I mean, I've had things in my life that I'm like, I thought would turn out different. Anybody ever have that happen? I mean, I thought it would be different. I remember being in fifth grade, and Eddie Bolt stole my bicycle. We were playing, we were playing uh, flag football. I went to Vernon Elementary, which that school is gone now. It, it was right over by where Ron lives, matter of fact. But, you know, that was fifth grade. I had my, it was my dad's old bike, banana seat with sparkles and purple, big sissy bar. How many remember those, man? Ooh. He took off on my bike. I tried chasing him. I couldn't catch him because he's on a bike. And so we were going on to practice, and he brought it back. And I remember him getting off my bike, and he threw it down on the ground. And I remember, this is what went through my mind. The coach is here. Everybody else is here. I'm safe. So I told Eddie, I said, don't you ever take my bike again, or I'll take care of you. And he said, let's do this. I looked at the coach. And the coach said, all right, guys, you heard it. This fight's between Brett and Eddie. <laughs> That's not what I was wanting, coach. That's not what I was expecting. You see, sometimes life gives you little ringers like that. But if you're doing what's right, you'll still win. In the long run, you'll win. 
Make a long story short, I beat up Eddie Bolt that day. <laughs> Didn't expect that. But for the rest of the year, I don't know why that is, if you beat up a bully. Now, for the rest of the year, he'd come up to me and go, anybody giving you trouble? No, Eddie, I'm good. Because if they're giving you trouble, I'm going to take care of them. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, Eddie. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we need to understand, God, you're so big. I speak the name of Jesus in sickness. I speak Jesus' name when stuff tries to come in. Whatever that is, the term pleading the blood, have you done that? Have you heard about that? We've talked to you about what Pastor Kim and I do. It might sound like begging, but it isn't. Pleading the blood is actually a legal term. Think of it like a lawyer pleading his case before the judge. He presents evidence, and, and he presents facts that support his case. What is your evidence? My friends, your evidence is the blood of Jesus. That's the evidence. When I plead the blood, I have a right to plead the blood. So because I have the right, that's my evidence. The enemy knows who your allegiance is with. And when I take exercise of that and I start doing what God has told me to do. I start choosing to act on what he's given me. So another way to describe pleading the blood of Jesus is to apply the blood in the situation or whatever in your lives. Protection is in the blood. Deliverance is in the blood. Do you know that salvation came from the blood? Come on, somebody. It is all through the blood of Jesus. When you plead the blood, you have laid down your case and put your entire confidence on an oath of a covenant sworn by Almighty God. That's why Jesus went to the cross, to forgive sins and to make a way so we could spend eternity with our Heavenly Father and with Jesus. Here's our third wall this morning. The angels. Psalm 91.11. He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. The New King James says he will give his angels charge over you. Now, I think everybody in here could probably say, I know somebody that's had some issues or facing some kind of problem or whatever, some kind of trouble, and we can't escape it without God's help. Maybe you got a bad doctor report. Your health isn't good, and the report came back not good. Or maybe it's financial problems or a family crisis of some kind. But no matter what kind of wall the devil has backed you up against. No matter what he's done, you can count on one thing. God has promised to deliver you. I mean, I, I tell you what, that just brings me happiness and comfort. He has promised to deliver me. And one way he does it is by his angels. He puts him in charge over you to protect you, to keep you, to minister you, to deliver you. It's one of the walls of protection. Now, I in my life, I, I'm going to be 61 next month. <laughs> yeah. I am, today, I am, I worked out four times this last week. I'm sore. In a good way. But uh, I'm thankful. I mean, well, I'm thankful. But I've seen angels. Now, people can go, I don't believe that. I really don't care whether you believe it or not. I'm going to tell you a story. You don't have to believe it, but I'm going to tell you how it happened. I was on staff in a church, and we were having revival. Remember those days when you'd have revival? That's when God's just showing up. 
And people like just can't get enough of it, and they just keep coming back to church because he's just showing up there, and people are getting healed, saved, and delivered. Well, Pastor Kim was going through some stuff. She had had, I don't know how many, we've had five children, so I don't remember in which, uh, she might have just had Maddie. I, I, I don't remember all of the details of that because, again, I'm a dude. Details are for the women. Now, I could probably remember, like, food. <laughs> but she can tell you, oh, remember? You wore that, remember when our first date, you wore that one sweater? Remember that? I don't remember that. Remember what you ordered? I can remember that. I had a chicken sandwich. Remember when Wendy's had the wheat buns? I had that. I remember that. Anyway, let me go back. Let me regret and go back to this story. Anyway, she... She was really having trouble. She, she had no energy left, and she was just, like, sucked of energy. And she wasn't feeling well, and she, uh, you know, I was going to work, and she just was really not in a good place. And it was really, I, I didn't even understand the kingdom like I'd understand it now. And I still have a lot to learn, so please, that, that's not trying to be haughty or anything like that. But, I mean, I'm like, Lord. So we had revival that night. And we were going, and so she, you know, she was going, but that was about all she could do. She was just real tired. And the guy that was doing the revival, he calls her out. You know what that means? He says something, and he points at her and says, can I pray for you? And so she's like, okay. And he goes and prays for her and says, you're going to get your energy back, and God's, you're going to have all kinds of energy, and you're going to, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get up before your husband. Now, I'm an early riser. I've always gotten up early. You're going to get up b- before your husband, and you're going to have all your energy back. Well, you know, I was like, well, that'd be great. But, you know, when you've been in something for a while, sometimes it's kind of tough, isn't it, to almost like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's almost like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 I'm like, okay. You know, and so she, he prayed for her, and she went back and sat down. And that night, this is a true story, that night I was laying in bed. Now, that's back in the day when waterbeds were real popular. We had moved because we've been in ministry, and our waterbed, when we put it together, would be a mound about six foot tall until whatever settled finally. But there was supposed to be stuff that stopped. You know, if you moved, it was supposed to be motionless. It was Hawaii Five-0 in our room. If I rolled over, man, she was dun 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 I mean, I would throw her clear off the bed, you know. But anyway, I was laying in bed, and, and I, I remember waking up, and I, I felt like someone's in here. And I turned around, and Kim was asleep, and there was this about eight-foot man standing over on her side of the bed. So I'm over here. Let's say the bed's here. He's standing there, and this is what he's doing. He's got his hands like this, and he's got his hands over top of her like this. And I remember not feeling afraid, and he had on a white robe, and he had a gold rope, like a, just kind of tied. No wings. I didn't see any wings, but he was like eight foot tall, maybe, maybe even nine, but he was tall. Good looking fella. It'd be bad if your angel was real ugly, wouldn't it? Can I help you? <laughs> but it was good looking. And so, anyway, I said to him, I said, and so I, you know, I, I said, 
you're who he was talking about tonight. And he looked at me and he just shook his head and he smiled. I said, you're praying for Kim. And he shook his head and he smiled again. And I didn't say anything else to him. And he, he took his hands back, stepped back. How many have ever seen the Polar Express? You see that hobo that looks at whatever the kid's name is and goes like that and he just kind of disintegrates into snow? That's what happened. He looked at me and smiled and he just kind of spun around. It was just like he went, and he was gone. In the morning, I was awoken by her down in the kitchen. La, da, 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 bing, 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 bing. She's, just, she's like Farmer Brown somewhere. She's down there. Hi, I'm going to make breakfast. <laughs> I mean, she's got all this energy, and she was healed from that moment forward. You see, what I'm trying to get you to is it, it, all this stuff is real. The blood is real. The word is real. Angels are real. Every one of you have angels. Then you might be like, I'm the guy that has this one, Pastor. I'm not so sure. <laughs> but it's, it's just amazing. They're, they're, they're there to help keep you and protect you. But we are responsible to keep the walls up. You know what they hearken to? They listen to the word of God. So you have to keep that word active. Hebrews 1.14, angels are only servants. Spirits sent to care for the people who inherit salvation. That's you and me. They're at your service to carry out God's will to protect you from danger and harm. So when we plead the blood of Jesus over yourself, your vehicles, your home, traveling mercies, whatever that is, you're putting angels on assignment. You're employing them. You know the problem with most Christians? We have unemployed angels. Because we don't use the word of God. We don't believe this. We talk about it, but we don't really believe it because we don't use it. Play church is over, folks. Look at the world. There's, there's garbage going on right now. God is getting ready to come back. It's time for us to understand there are things for us to do. Declare Psalm 91 over our life. Angels are on the job. When you talk and say, angels are protecting me, I send forth ministering uh, angels to protect me and my family. I'm giving them something to do because that's what they do. Our, our last one this morning is the name, Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. The name of Jesus is your supernatural protection, your emergency number, your rescue vehicle, can I just say the name of Jesus is your 911? You got to call somebody. Who are you going to call? You better call Jesus. It's all wrapped up in one. And listen, God is never going to put you on the machine. He's not going to, I'm talking about the answering machine. He's not going to put you on hold. He acts perfectly, He gets the job done without delay or hiccup. See, the problem is, we come into all this stuff with not believing all these walls. We come in with doubt. I want to believe the word. We have a tendency to say, mm. but it should be our first line of defense. What we do is we run to, Joyce Meyer says it this way, we run to the phone and not the throne. We got to tell somebody about it, but why don't we just tell God? And what we end up doing is we start telling God. And this is what I'm, I'm trying to get across to people. We start telling God about our mountain. God, I have this ache. I need you to take this ache. You won't get healed doing that. 
You need to hear what I'm telling you. You won't get healed telling God about your ache. You know what you'll get healed? Telling your ache about your God. Come on. I'm just giving you the facts. You've got to start acting on what God has told you to do. God has given you a safe house. There's a story of a man that he was on a 747 airplane and it crashed into another commercial liner and a lot of people were killed. It's not a great story as far as that goes. All the exits were blocked and it was engulfed in flames and he was trapped inside. And he did what he knew to do, so he called on the name of Jesus. Now, before he left on his trip, he did what we've talked about before. He pleaded the blood, and he prayed for protection, supernatural intervention. But the next thing he knew, he was inside the plane, and the very next thing he knew, he was out on the wing. He doesn't know how he got there. He was just out on the wing. He was just translated out, and he was suddenly out of danger, and he didn't have an explanation for it. Now, these are, you know, people are like, I don't know. And you might say, Brett, I don't even believe that. Listen, I don't, you know, I can only tell you stuff from my life. I just got saved, you know, when, when I, uh, not just now, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, and you're a pastor. Nice. Uh, no, I, you know, when I first got saved, I, you know, I was just telling everybody about Jesus. And then I figured out that people didn't like me to tell them about Jesus because they liked how Brett was before. So I had to kind of back that off a little bit and figure that out. But I remember things started happening, and I, I, I didn't understand them until I started walking through it. I worked at Ponderosa. That's where I met Pastor Kim. And then Ponderosa, you know, and Marion, they were real popular there for a long time, and they had an all-you-could-eat ribeye sale. I don't know if you remember those things. But I was a cook, and I had just gotten saved, maybe just a month or so before. I don't know. wasn't very long. And they ran out of ribeyes, and the only ribeyes they had were in the freezer. And the freezer, it was during the wintertime, was locked, and the lock was frozen. And they couldn't get it open. They couldn't get a key in the lock. They had lighters out there, and they were trying to get a key in the lock, and there's a line out the door, and blah, 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 blah. And this is the impression I got. You need to go over to that lock, grab a hold of it, and command it to open in the name of Jesus. And I'm like, you're right. God wasn't laughing. And then he said it again. You need to go over there, grab a hold of that lock, and command it to open in the name of Jesus. Now, there's managers out there. There's people out there. And there are big lighters and matches. And, and the, it had rained, and the rain had frozen. And they're trying to knock the ice off of it. I went over and wheedled my way through there, and the manager standing right there, and I said, could I try something? And I, he looked at me, and he goes, what are you going to do? I grabbed a hold of that lock, and I said, in the name of Jesus, open. And I went like that, and the lock went thunk and opened. And everybody went <gasps> like that. I was the first one to go. <gasps> and the guy said, how did he do that? And, and uh, the guy said, oh, we... we uh, we heated it all up, and that's how it happened. And the guy goes, there was no key in it. We have the key. I walked out there. I was like, oh, my word, God, you're amazing. And people from that incident kept coming up to me going, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? Now, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. It wasn't long after that. They had an all-you-could-eat shrimp and fish sale. 
And, and we had to take the grease back to the back in the kitchen, and then the back outside was uh, where you'd done. Did you know mascara's made of that stuff? Just thought I'd share that. It really has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but I'm going back in the kitchen, and the, and the thing's wobbly, and the guy in the kitchen had just mopped the floor. And so I'm like, woo, 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 woo. And I knew I was about to fall, and so I, I didn't want to spill the thing, so I set the bucket down, lost my balance, and dunked my whole arm in the bucket by accident. What happened is I put my arm in. I went, this is the only thing I said, Jesus! And I pulled my arm out, and just like when you wax your car and it rains and it bubbles up, I had grease bubbles all over my arm. I mean, it, and it didn't burn it at all. And the dude in the kitchen goes, are you all right? Do we have to take you to urgent? You know, well, then it was just the ER. Wasn't, I don't think we even had urgent care. I said, I'm fine. And he's like, I don't believe I've ever seen anything like that. And the other guy said, I'll tell you what, it's probably cold grease. So we went and got some shrimp and threw it in there. It fried it right up. And they said, what? And I'm just like, that's Jesus, guys. And they're like, I don't get it. I got to witness to so many people about the great things of God. Can I tell you something? The world is looking for people that, that will show themselves strong for God. He's looking for people. His eyes are looking for people like you and people like me that won't run from danger, that won't turn around, but will say, I will face this in the name of Jesus. We aren't protected just to be protected. We are to be a light and a witness. 1 Peter 1.9, the reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. That's the goal. Showing people Jesus so we can get people saved. That's our end-time mission. Showing people the power of God. Praying for people. Instead of waiting, here, here's an invite to church. I mean, I think that's great. Well, what if God is telling you to pray for them right there? Would you do it? You know, the things that I'm telling you, the stories I'm telling you, it had to be a choice I made, and I had to act on it. If I didn't act on it, I wouldn't have that story to tell you. Would God still love me? Absolutely. Would he still do things? Well, I'm sure he would. But it is me choosing to do the things of God. I think God is looking for people that will walk right in the midst of trouble where the world is, and, and with unshaking hands say, God is bigger than this. I want to be insulated. See, the devil is into isolation, and God is into insulation. Rescue those people that are caught in the enemy's plot to steal, kill, and destroy, and get them into the household of faith. Show them that there is a great God. Show them that there is a good God. Show them that God's still alive and well today. Show them that Jesus still saves, delivers, and heals. Show them that the blood is still strong. Show them that the word is always true. We are protected. The word, the blood, the angels, and the name. Do we use them? They're at our disposal. But God is, he's looking for people like you and me. I got to witness to people over and over again. I remember witnessing to a guy that saw me dunk my arm in that. I was out, uh, he asked me to sit in his car while he, tears ran down his face, he accepted Jesus. 
And you know why? He said, I have never seen anything like that. Something you're telling me is true. I don't know how to explain it, but something is true. It's bigger than you and it's bigger than me. It's Jesus. Let's build those walls. Let's get covered. And let's look different than the world looks. They've got enough of what they, they, everybody, you know what I'm saying? Let's stand out in the crowd. God is amazing. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please?